the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The word comfort means to strengthen, to encourage. And Paul's point is that God, who is the source of all comfort, the Father of mercies, comforted him in his affliction. Why? There was a purpose. So that, he says... He could comfort the Corinthians as they went through suffering. That is the main thought here. Welcome to Verse by Verse. I'm Peter Silseth. It's my privilege to introduce our instructor for these daily radio Bible classes, Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981. While he continues teaching at Lakeside, Verse by Verse Ministries makes his practical, expository, or verse by verse messages available to you through this radio program as well as our website. I'll tell you more about the website at the end of our broadcast. As you may already know, we have been learning about the benefits of suffering for the past week or so. Pastor Steve begins today with the first part of his concluding message on that subject. It's a topic that should grab our attention. There are only two kinds of people in this world. Those who have suffered, or maybe are still suffering, and those who are going to suffer. We hear all sorts of advice when we undergo trials. Most of it, I'm afraid, is not very good. The good advice is in God's Word. In this series of studies, we are looking into 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to see what God has to say about the reasons for and the benefits of the suffering that so often afflicts us. Now, here is Pastor Steve with our study. Well, recently I heard someone on one of our local Christian radio stations counseling a woman who had experienced a great deal of suffering and pain at the hands of other people. And in the course of giving her advice, this counselor told this woman that her suffering was not God's perfect will for her life. Now, that troubled me when I heard it, and it troubles me even today to think about that, because that counsel fails to see God as Lord over everything, including our suffering. Fails to see God as Lord in the sense that it fails to recognize that God is the one who sovereignly not only allows suffering in our lives, but he sends. It's his will. He sends pain and affliction into our lives, even through the evil actions of other people. The scripture tells us that God is never responsible for evil and never responsible for the evil that anyone does to us. He certainly controls and decrees all things that come into our lives, and that has to include even evil. And we don't understand quite how to reconcile that, God is absolutely sovereign. He's decreed all things, yet man is responsible for his own evil that he inflicts on others, and God is not responsible for that. We don't understand how that all works together, but we certainly don't want to dilute the truth of God's sovereignty. Think with me for a moment. How could suffering not be God's perfect will for our lives? God doesn't have an imperfect will. 
He only has a will. I mean, there are people who say, well, God's perfect will and God's... Everything is God's perfect will because everything is his will for us and God is perfect. Now, it certainly was God's will for Jesus that Judas do evil by betraying him and therefore bringing the sufferings of the cross into his life. Was God responsible for the evil of Judas? No, no. But it was part of the predetermined plan of God. It was God's perfect will for the Lord Jesus that, that Judas do this evil to him. It certainly was God's will for the Old Testament character Joseph to suffer at the cruel hands of his evil brothers who sold him into slavery. In fact, uh, towards the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph recognized that, that God's will has been this affliction all along. And this is what he told his brothers. He said, though you meant it for evil, yet God meant it for good. God meant it. He wasn't divorced from the situation. God sent this into his life, even though God wasn't responsible for the evil that his brothers had done. In other words, Joseph's sufferings was God's will for him, regardless of the evil intent of his brothers. Another man outside of the pages of Scripture who suffered greatly at the hands of others was the Baptist pastor, British Baptist pastor, John Bunyan. You may be very familiar with John Bunyan because he wrote a book over 300 years ago that is still the most widely read single piece of literature in the history of mankind outside of the Bible. He authored the book Pilgrim's Progress, story of, uh, of really how to live the Christian life presented as an allegory. But while that book is very well known, it is not as well known that John Bunyan endured tremendous suffering. In fact, he was thrown in prison two times, the first time for 12 years. That's in, While he was in prison, he wrote the book, Pilgrim's Progress. But what you may not know is that he was in prison simply for the fact that he was preaching the gospel not for anything evil he had done. He spent over 12, year, 12 years in prison because of his commitment to preach the truth. And at any time, he was told he could walk out of the prison a free man if he would just stop preaching the gospel of Christ. And yet he didn't. And yet he didn't. Even though his oldest child, Mary, was blind from birth, and she desperately needed her father. In fact, Bunyan said that when Mary visited him in prison, it was like, and I quote, the pulling of the flesh from my bones. Bunyan had a wife, he had other children, but Mary especially was dear to him because of her blindness, and he said it was like the pulling of the flesh from my bones. So how did this man, John Bunyan, who had suffered as as much as uh, any other person, view his suffering in light? of God's will and sovereignty. Here's what Bunyan wrote about the sovereignty of God as it relates to suffering, and I quote, It is not what enemies will, nor what they are resolved upon, but what God wills and what God appoints. In other words, people may plan all kinds of things to do to you, but it is ultimately comes back to God's will. No enemy shall bring suffering upon a man when the will of God is otherwise. So no man can save himself out of their hands when God will deliver him up for his glory. We shall or shall not suffer even as it pleaseth him. End of quote. That is to say that it always goes back to God, regardless of the intents of people. So we understand that at times God does send suffering into our lives. It is his perfect will for us. Therefore, the appropriate question to ask is not, uh, 
is it God's will for believers in Christ to suffer? It is God's will that we suffer at times. A more appropriate question to ask is, why does God send pain and suffering and affliction into the lives of his children? We certainly know from the Bible that God is not cruel. God of the Bible is not cruel. He loves his children. Then why should he cause his children to suffer? And the answer to that question, according to the Bible, is because there are spiritual benefits to be gained by suffering. And though the Bible has much to say on the subject of suffering and pain for God's children, one section of Scripture that specifically focuses on the benefits of suffering is our passage that we've been studying for several weeks, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So let's turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I I read part of it, verses 8 through 11, which will be primarily our focus this morning. I read read that uh, just before we had our pastoral prayer. But I want you to know these verses are not random thoughts about suffering. They're part of Paul's well-thought-out and very logical defense of himself as a legitimate apostle. You'll recall in our study of 2 Corinthians that we said that false teachers, really who Paul called false apostles, more than teachers, they said they had apostolic authority. False apostles had come into the Corinthian church and they accused Paul of being a fake representative of Christ. They said he's not a real apostle. He's not like one of us. He's not like one of the original 12. He's, he's a fake. And one of their charges was that Paul had vacillated on his plans to visit the Corinthian church. We looked at that and we'll look in future days more closely, but verses 15 through 17, they said that Paul, uh, because he changed his plans, he is untrustworthy. He said he would visit you, Corinthians, but he didn't visit you. He's untrustworthy. He's fickle. He's vacillating. So they accused him of being one who vacillates. And they said, in, in essence, if he vacillates on his plans to see you, then how can you trust the man when he tells you about Jesus Christ? Maybe he's going to vacillate on that. Maybe he's, he's not going to, he's going to change his tune. Maybe one day he's going to say something and the other day he'll say something else. So they accused Paul in the midst of this of neglecting and not caring for the Corinthians or else he would have visited them. But, but this, this man can't make up his mind. They also said, and this is very important to note, that his constant sufferings and afflictions and weaknesses Prove that he wasn't a real apostle because why would God, if this man was a true, genuine apostle, then why would God put such suffering into his life? That becomes, by the way, a theme throughout this letter. That's why Paul keeps telling us about his sufferings. And it, in fact, it all climaxes in chapter 12 when he says that when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul said, I'll glory in my weakness. In fact, Paul used it to prove that he was a real apostle. So with these charges leveled against him, what Paul does is he opens up the body of this letter by defending his ministry in the sense that he explains to them that his suffering, far from neglecting them and proving that he was not an apostle and he wasn't right with God, actually his sufferings benefited them as well as honored the Lord, brought glory to the Lord. And to prove his point, Paul launches into three spiritual benefits of suffering. And in principle, these are so important because in principle, these are the same benefits that you and I uh, derive from our sufferings today. It isn't just Paul's suffering. These are principles about the suffering that you and I have. And you want to learn from these truths about suffering because they'll help you to make sense out of your own dilemmas in life. 
There, you know, there are some Christians who unnecessarily are confused and puzzled and even angry at God because of the pain and, and affliction that they've endured. If you're one of those Christians, you need to learn from this passage of Scripture. You need to apply them to your painful situation because these truths help us put our own uh, suffering into, into a biblical framework, into a divine perspective, so that you're not looking at it from the standpoint of just what's happening to you, but what God is doing in your life. So with these things in mind, we want to look at these three benefits of suffering. We've already looked at one. We'll just quickly review, add a few points to that, but then we're going to focus on the second and third benefits of suffering. About a year ago, I was in a traffic accident. Not just any accident. It was a good friend that I hit, and we both needed considerable medical attention. My friend told me recently, you know, I was mad at you for about 10 seconds. He said that was how long it took him to realize that I did not mean to hurt him. When God sovereignly allows us or causes us to suffer, how long does it take us to realize that it's not to hurt us, but that He has a good reason for doing it? Now, anger is a natural reaction. One indication of our spiritual maturity is how long it takes us to master the anger, submit to God's will, and turn our pain into something that glorifies Him. If you just tuned in, we would like to say welcome. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been teaching for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Lately, on Verse by Verse, we have been studying the benefits of suffering. Today's class is the first part of a three-part message, and it's the concluding message in this helpful series. If you missed the start of our class, stay tuned at the end of the program, and I'll tell you how to listen again on the web. Now, let's get back to class for a brief review of one benefit of suffering before we move on to some others. Now, the first benefit of suffering is this. We've, we've already studied this, but I, I want to uh, say some things about it. Is this. Suffering, number one, enables us to comfort those who are suffering. Suffering enables us to comfort others who are suffering. And I'll read to you the verses we've already looked at, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patience enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Now, just a casual glance at these verses reveal that the key word here, the key concept is comfort. Is comfort. Paul mentions it many times, and whenever you see a word or a concept reiterated in a passage of Scripture, you know that that is generally the theme. The word comfort means to strengthen, to encourage. And Paul's point is that God, who is the source of all comfort, the Father of mercies, comforted him in his affliction. Why? There was a purpose. So that, he says, 
he could comfort the Corinthians as they went through suffering. That is the main thought here, the main points of these verses. Paul is teaching that one reason that God has brought so much pain into your life and suffering into your life and my life, the reason he does that is to reveal himself as the only one who can remedy this by comforting us from his word. And once you turn to his word, learn the truths of scripture, you can then pass those on to others who are suffering as well. You pass on the comfort of the word that you've experienced. That's that's his point. That's how Paul's suffering benefited the Corinthians. And that's how your suffering will benefit others. So don't think that your pain is in vain. It isn't in vain. God hasn't sent affliction to you because he just likes uh, having you squirm. That's not it at all. God's design for you is to equip you, to enable you to comfort others with his word. And you would really never learn that until you have been, uh, been exposed to some pain yourself and know his comfort. His plan is to use you in the lives of others by explaining to them the strengthening and comforting truths of his word. Let me just paraphrase to you an illustration of this in the Bible. About the uh, the time that Jesus was explaining to his disciples in Luke chapter 22 that he was going to go to the cross and he would, would uh, suffer, Jesus turned to Peter, who thought he was invincible. Peter thought he would, you know, stand with the Lord. And, and Jesus said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. So Peter was going to suffer greatly, and, and he did. He denied the Lord. He wept bitterly. He said, I'll stand with you, Lord. But, but Peter understood what it was like for Satan to attack him and to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said to him, Peter, when you're converted, meaning when you turn around, not when you first come to faith in me, but when you are restored, strengthen your brethren strengthen your brethren. That was Peter's ministry. And interestingly enough, you know what his first letter is about? It's to the suffering church to strengthen them in their affliction. It was uh, to the church about the time of Nero's persecution. And Peter wrote a very encouraging letter about how to handle suffering. In fact, it's Peter who says that uh, be sober-minded, be alert, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. Now, Peter knew that experientially as well as, as God uh, inspired him to write it. And what Peter is doing is fulfilling this very mission that Jesus gave him. He suffered. He knew the, the strength and restoring comfort of God. And now he was ministering to others with wonderful truths about strength and resistance of Satan. That's how this works. That's how it works. God comforts us so that we might comfort others. You know, uh, just last week, as I mentioned earlier, you uh, greatly honored Michelle and me for 20 years of service at Lakeside. And I want you to know, and I alluded to this last week, that um, most of those years have, have been wonderful. Most of these years have just been wonderful. But the early years were not that wonderful. They were difficult years in ministry as a pastor and uh, sometimes very painful Um as I was listening last week to all the nice things you were saying, I actually turned to Michelle and said, and who are they talking about? And, uh, I, I couldn't help but think, as you were saying nice things, in the early days of my ministry, I was severely criticized for preaching 
the things that uh, you have uh, expressed uh, kind words towards me on uh, many years ago, there were not kind words about my preaching. Uh, I was accused of preaching over the heads of people. In fact, I was told several times, you really don't belong in a church. You belong in a seminary teaching. That was not a compliment, by the way, coming from those individuals. They were not complimenting me. They were saying that uh, people will never go for expository preaching. They're, they're not going to handle it. They're not, they're not geared to that. I was told that my sermons were too long. People would not sit for 45 to 50 minutes and hear a sermon. I was told that I, I, I just dug too much into the text of Scripture and uh, wasn't practical and relevant and applicable enough. Uh, in fact, when I was, in, when I, uh, uh, was installed as the pastor of Lakeside, many, many, Many people left our church. We bless so many churches in this area. I mean, those pastors <laughs> ought to write me a thank you note, send me a Christmas card. We, uh, we help populate many churches. I, I help that. And I, and I remember one Sunday, well, it, it almost looked like the early service does today. And I looked over the congregation and, um, I saw a lot of green empty pews, but there was Michelle sitting with our children. I thought, you know what? At least I know there'll be one family that won't leave. I mean, they've got to come. Uh, those were some difficult years. Those were not, not easy years. But you know what? I would never trade those years as painful as they were because God comforted me through his word. I learned much about preaching in those days. Uh, I learned much about what it means to be a shepherd and give people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear. And those were the things that the times that really helped me to uh, have some kind of a spiritual backbone on uh, teaching and preaching the word of God. I wouldn't exchange, exchange those, those painful years for anything because they taught me so much. And I have been able then to comfort other men in the ministry who tend to look at us at Lakeside and thinking and think that we've got it all together and things are wonderful. And I love coming alongside of them and saying, you know what, uh, that is not the way it is today and that is not the way it was years ago. And let me tell you, when you're uh, questioning about your preaching and teaching and what to do, and, and I've been able to apply the word to their lives. And that's what, that's, just from my own experience, understanding what Paul is talking about to the Corinthians, you go through difficult times, and they're not pleasant when you go through it. But that's God's design to teach you his word and to, uh, to then use that uh, to be able to minister to others. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for that peek into some of the suffering you have endured. We often find encouragement in the trouble of others, when I heard about how Pastor Steve struggled, it reminded me that I'm not the only one who ever felt like that. I have a friend who calls that perverse encouragement. Thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981. He mentioned that his is an expository teaching style. That means he teaches verse by verse and learns what there is in a passage rather than developing a thought first and using scripture to support it. There's nothing wrong with that method when it's done properly. But we think expository preaching is the best way to communicate biblical truth accurately and completely. 
Verse by Verse Ministries makes Pastor Steve's messages available to you through this fine radio station, as well as our website, versebyverseradio.org. At the website, you can listen again to this program or any of the previous ones in our online archives. You can download the audio files for later or listen online. There's even a free podcasting service if you want to be sure you don't miss any future lessons. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the first part of a three-part message. You can hear the entire message at once by ordering an audio CD or cassette. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of those who have first been faithful to their own local church. In today's class, Pastor Steve shared with us just one benefit of suffering. It helps us comfort others in their struggles. But if you think about it, that can't be the only reason. If we suffer so that we can comfort others, why do they suffer? And if those others suffer to comfort still other people, why do they suffer? While it's true that God takes us through trials to help others, that's not the only reason. I hope you can join us for the next verse-by-verse as Pastor Steve takes a look at other reasons for why a loving and mighty God permits and even ordains suffering. We're here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.